The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Our first guest today is is Kay Saunders. She is the author of a new book called Interpersonal Secrets for Professional Success. And in a time of increased need for accountability and relationship building, workers at all levels must form interpersonal relationships with peers as well as the public, with the customers and the people that you're doing business with, that you're interacting with outside of the business as well. And she's here today to talk with us about why this book is so important, why now, uh, all of the different things that are central to to the human side of running your business successfully. Uh, first, just a little bit about Kay. She's the founder and CEO of Bellwether LTD, and she's the president and CEO of its subsidiary, subsidiary the Human Asset Imaging Institute, which focuses, as Kay will talk to you about, on the people side of productivity. And their goal through their companies as well as through this book is to help you turn personal potential into organizational performance, which, of course, means profitability, too, in the long run. So welcome to the show today, Kay. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate you having me. So as I said, as I was introducing you, so many different things converging, so many different things that we have to deal with now within organizations. But why now? Why this book after, after I believe, 18 years of running your company and dealing in this very topic and this very subject why this book right now well there there are several factors that are in play here uh kelly you know for the last 18 years or more we've been working with organizations on their structures and their processes and and um our work with the people side of organizations was always there but it was less it was it was not at the level it, it is now the factors that are in play now cause us and have caused us to come back and spend a lot more time with our clients in the interpersonal skills that their employees have in in order to help the organizations be more effective. So what does that mean? Well, in essence, it means that for the first time in our history as a nation, we have five generations of workers uh, in the workplace at a single time. Mm-hmm. Our communications has increased, yeah. So we're at like 4.6 billion mobile phone subscribers, um, wow. quite a few. Um, globally, we speak 6,000 languages. We have 5 million Facebook users and growing, and uh, we share approximately 30 billion pieces of content monthly through our web links and news stories, our blogs, and the like. So, um, and and I've got more that I can share with you, but generally speaking, uh, Kelly, the need is is great. There are uh, some key factors. This piece about globalization, um, communications, 
diversity that is taking place in the workplace, and I've got um, some interesting numbers that I can share with you around diversity in, in, mm-hmm. in general in the in the workplace. And mm-hmm. then what we're finding about managers' readiness for or, or, or lack of readiness for this mm-hmm. tsunami of change that's going on um, globally in the workplace right now. So these are significant economic shifts that, as you pointed out, are have the potential of affecting productivity, organizational performance, and ultimately profitability. Yes, absolutely. And all of the different things that you mentioned, each of those factors, I do want to spend a couple of minutes drilling down on each of those. First, I have another question. We hear a lot about this, actually, you know, the, the interpersonal skills, the, the human factor. What is it about this book that makes it different from anything else that's out there? Um, we have been very, very thorough, and this book is research-based. So in the past, folks have had some kind of homespun wisdom about what it takes to get along with other people and to connect. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been a good um, a deal of research in the area of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and uh, some sort of social intelligences. Uh, but the reality is, is this book is very business-specific. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's not a general psychology, not a general sociology book, although it it, uh, it it takes all the elements of the social sciences and, and weaves them in. But the reality is, is that it's about business, how these behaviors show up in the workplace, how they impact, how to get past uh, blockades, how to be a more effective leader, all of those things. So to that extent, this particular book is based on eight competencies, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry, eight dimensions of effective uh, uh, knowledge of social and interpersonal effectiveness, and 32 competencies. It, and they uh, direct, all, yeah. And they directly. My understanding of it is that they directly tie back to uh, measurable aspects of of the business. Correct? Oh, you betcha. You mm-hmm. bet. So. We can even assess, we, we even have an assessment that goes with it. That makes it also rather unique in that we have a knowledge-based assessment, one for um, just the individual who needs to know what they already know or need to know in these areas, and another that is uh, for managers and supervisors. And they're all knowledge-based. They're all um, statistically reliable and valid. So uh, here's, here's what I think gets me the most excited. Yeah, a lot of training out there may have, here are the learning objectives, here are the things you need to learn. But Mm -hmm. when we start talking about interpersonal behaviors, we want to see behavioral objectives. So it's not enough to say, I want to see what you know. It's, I want to see how you behave. Ah, Okay, and there's a, that is a very important distinction. Um, it, it's it's one thing to be able to, and, and I, I know this very well myself. Um, you know, it's one thing for me to know these different principles, and yes, I should be doing this, and yes, I should be doing that. But to be able to put them into practice, day in, day out, time after time, in one situation after the other, as the owner of a business myself, um, it, it's tough sometimes. <laughs> sure, it is. 
It's you know it's it's tough absolutely, and the busier you get, the tougher it gets. But I yeah. I believe in, in what I call B three or B um, squared, and uh, actually this is probably cute. It's beliefs we which are are we are directed by our beliefs. We are directed and influenced by our behaviors and by our buddies. And That's if true. you look at if you look at any workforce. Then um, and and that workforce is functioning at its highest. It's because there's alignment in the belief system. There's alignment in the standard of conduct and what people believe are the behaviors that are acceptable and not acceptable. And people have friendships and professional relationships that support the overall objectives of the organization. So they're supportive friendships. They are helpful, they're beneficial, as opposed to those that are more harmful and, frankly, distracting. Right, exactly. So when you were setting this up, when I asked you, you know, why now, why this book, you said some very interesting things about communication. A lot of times when people think about this topic, they think about, um, oh, maybe the demographics, uh, but or, or they might think about um, the fact there's more retired people, five generations in the workplace, things like that. But you talked about the fact that we now have 6,000 languages in the workplace, that we have, if I got these written down fast enough, that we have 5 million Facebook users, and I missed the number on the mobile users. <laughs> but <laughs> basically, in 30 billion pieces of information that's being shared links and so forth every month, that in itself, I mean, let's even if we were all the same age, <laughs> or right. even if we were all the same gender, or the same you know ethnicity, um, those those pieces alone, dealing with the communication factors, the various ways we have within the workplace to communicate with each other, presents a challenge. And I've just just um, well, I was going to say this week, but um, just recently, I had that very thing happen. Somebody had sent me a message through Facebook, not on my page, but they had messaged me through the um, messaging system in Facebook, which I check periodically, but not like I check my email and my text messages. And it's been there for a few days, and this person was rather upset with me because I hadn't been on that. (laughs) And I thought, my goodness, you know, I'm going to have to check that as much as I check my other forms of communication, you know, with my phone messages, my email, my because. All these things are coming at you in so many different ways. So, so communication, just in its own uh, right, is is changing the way we work together. It absolutely is changing the way we work together, and as you experience, it's changing our expectations of availability. Mm. Right. And uh, for many, because the device has 24-hour availability, the perception is is that that individual has that same level of availability. And I'm a big proponent of boundaries <laughs> and yes. limits because without them, it would be impossible to run your business. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to set time aside that this is the time I respond to these different devices. And, and the more you add, then to make sure, as you've indicated, I, can, I need to make sure I'm checking this one and this site and this so that you're checking them frequently, but mm-hmm. not to be uh, enslaved to them because what we find is that sometimes devices that are intended to increase our productivity can mm-hmm. actually decrease it. 
it's like a, a personal strength. Uh, that's a true. personal strength that's overdone becomes a weakness. That's so. true. That's absolutely right. The other piece to that with, with the communication is not only uh, the multitude of ways that we can communicate, the various devices and, and software and, and so forth, but because it's so instant, we tend to try to respond very quickly. And what I'm seeing is that in many cases, we don't give it that, that instantaneous communication does not allow us room to digest, to process, to breathe, and to present perhaps the best response that we could or, um, you know, in a positive and a negative way in the sense that, uh, you know, used to you get a letter in the mail. I'm not advocating going back to those days, but you get a letter in the mail. It takes a few days to get to you, and then, you know, you might you might read it, you might sit it aside, and even if you did provide a response that was rather immediate, um, it was it would take a few days to get back to the sender then. So it might be a week's time before, uh, you know, the communication actually, the full cycle of communication actually took place. And during that time, you can you can process, you can formulate a better response. And now a lot of times we get these knee-jerk um, responses and people are, they, they you know, you feel bad perhaps the way you responded right. or maybe it wasn't well thought through and then you have to untangle yourself from that commitment or whatever it is so it's it's um more even than the types of of communications we have available it's the fact that we don't think out our response as well as we maybe should and what you're really hitting on there kelly is what we communicate Mm -hmm. So when we communicate before we've had a chance to think, and, and again, now bear in mind, we've gotten out a greater amount of diversity in the workforce than mm -hmm. ever before. Right. Um, and, and so we have to be more careful about what we communicate about ourselves. And so when we, as you say, have that knee-jerk response and we start sending things out, and as you know, in our minds it makes perfect sense. <laughs> but when it gets down in writing before you've had a chance to go back and edit it, you send things out and they're full of errors and, um, and incomplete thoughts, mm -hmm. then that's actually communicating something about you. You know, um one of our clients many years ago pointed out her comment was is that she tried to tell her uh, subordinates that you're always interviewing. And I, I always thought that that was so profound because her comment was sometimes we think we're interviewing when a formal meeting has been established and we know where to be and, and we've got the resume. But the reality is is that people are always looking at you they're mm -hmm. always sizing you up, not in a scary way, but they're sizing you up thinking, is this someone I want to work with? Is this someone I want to rely on? Is this right. someone that can move our agenda forward? Um, so all of that is very important about what we communicate when we are communicating, and it happens in our conversations as well as in our emails. You know, yes, the president has stated, and, and you actually, I think, shared this with me as well, that 98% of all American companies have fewer than 100 employees. Yes, that is and true. So, and, and over half of all Americans work for small business. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, not only is small business the backbone of the, our economy, but it's also the place where most people get their, their, if not their lifelong employment, their initial employment is with small companies. And so as those companies grow and as they uh, intend to grow, then they have more than ever to have, they are required to pay attention to how they build relationships and what they communicate about their capacity to perform mm-hmm. and to and to not be seen as a risk but to be the the less risky solution for any customer that wants to work with them because they're so innovative and because they're so responsive and so and because they're so spot on in their solutions right and you know you were talking about the fact that we're we're interviewing constantly um social media the various communication channels allow us so much greater reach than we've ever had but at the same time it creates that much more exposure for us too so it's a double-edged sword and it, it is definitely something that most of us need to get better at and that obviously by reading your book and, and working through the process that you outline, we can get better at. Um, one of the things I want to be sure to talk about is the impact of the five generations in the workplace. That is it's unprecedented. We have never had this before in the workplace. Talk to us a little bit about the implications of five generations at work with one another. So envision that you're at the uh, you're at the family Thanksgiving holiday dinner, <laughs> right? And you've got uh, the youngest. Think about that. From think about your family, and you've got five generations all sitting there at the dinner table at the same time. And the challenge or the goal is for everyone to be engaged to have everyone motivated um, and um, to have everyone involved by some um, common uh, thread that's going to tie them all together and then to have them be able to communicate freely in in language that the other understands. So not Mm -hmm. just in, in language that the other understands, but in mode. So my communication mode, I'll give you an example. I have a a young niece who is really into technology. And one day she and some friends were here at the house and they were visiting with each other and and visiting with me. (laughs) And Uh they would talk to me and text each other while I'm (laughs) sitting right here in the same room. So that's what, this is what I mean about the impact of communication. And that is not at all uncommon. Uh, right. We have uh, there. There's a company here locally that was talking with us about we we've got all these young professionals in our workplace and they're texting us and and we meaning partly management and and older workers are mm-hmm. in the cubicle right next to them and instead <laughs> of getting up and going around the cubicle or you know speaking to us their mode of communication is by text. Well, as you know. Text is abbreviated, right? And you don't have the richness 
of the complete communication with the eye contact and you don't have the supporting documents that you could show and that sort of thing. Uh-huh. And so our challenge in working with them was to get everyone aligned so that there was a mode of communication that was used at, in its most appropriate form. So that's an example. So it's how do we show sensitivity to each other? How do we demonstrate respect when we are – what is is respectful – behavior that is commonly understood to be respectful regardless of what generation you're in, um, all of those things are the the foundation, if you will, for how business is being transacted now and in the future. Because this level of change is um, it, it, it's going to be like a tsunami, uh, literally, in that there will be such an influx of different people in the workplace um, that that we have to get really good about setting up the the ways in which we'll communicate, the ways in which we'll manage to keep people involved, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Well, and and even beyond the communication aspect of it, it's um, I guess this is communication to a certain extent, but it's it's really it goes to mindset as well. Uh, sometimes among older workers, among um, older managers, there is a sense of um, you haven't earned your spot yet, you need to go through the same kinds of things that we did to work our way up within this organization. But for a younger worker who perhaps seen their parents go through a couple of rounds of layoffs and uh, don't have any of that organizational sense of organizational loyalty because their experience is is that the organization um, can can lay you off, can change your family. Uh, you know, there's there's a, there's just sometimes a difference in the mindset among the generations, and also with the younger some of the younger um, workers, there's a sense of you know pay my dues. What do you mean? I, I'm sure. here to contribute. I'm going to start doing it right now. And why do I have to to go through these artificial boundaries that you're imposing before I can speak about my ideas? And so there's right. all that going on too. Well, you know the statistics tell us that the younger workers really want engagement. Yeah. And they want uh, they have a, a great sense of social consciousness, and they want to be engaged. So for them. Uh, it's more than a transaction, the transaction mm-hmm. of it, but the engagement, the building of relationships is what is central. And so managers who understand that and who have been trained can tap into that. They will have loyal and, and innovative and, and very dedicated workers. Um, it's interesting that the national voluntary turno- turnover rate is at 20.2%. And that's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. While the cost of average turnover in the U.S. is estimated to be somewhere around $187 billion a year. So Mm -hmm. um, the cost of keeping people engaged, uh, if we can reduce attrition rates, think about hospitals and large organizations that have large turnover, if we can Mm -hmm. get managers trained so that we don't just throw them into management positions because they're great technicians, but we actually teach them how to connect with people and how to get the best out of the talent that they have, then we'll be, we'll be way ahead. Right. You know, you, some of the things that we talked about in terms of um, the generations from, from an age standpoint are just as true among uh, 
people in the workplace, you know, that are from different ethnic backgrounds, uh, what their past experiences have been and what they bring to the workplace uh, may seem to be in direct conflict with, um, you know, the cultures of other of other people in the workplace. And so um, all, of, all of these things, but what I guess what I'm getting at is that it always amazes me that people consider this topic and it really it's a multiple it's multiple topics but consider this to be soft skills uh, because <laughs> these are the things you know you can go in and you can you can teach somebody how to do math if they have the aptitude for it you can teach somebody how to do math and, and become a scientist or you know the the skills part of it is trainable but this the, the so-called soft skills is the part, what I hear is that that's what gets more people fired than anything else is their inability to, uh, as you said, to be able to demonstrate these needed behaviors. I mean, is, is that what you find too? Yes, the ability to get along and mm-hmm. the ability to be likable, uh, to mm-hmm. be congenial is very, very uh, important and it's a skill set that's in demand. I, I, I want to encourage you, though, that these are things that can be taught and have traditionally always been taught. Um, yes. I mean, we used to learn these things in our systems, our family systems, in yes. our community systems, in our scout, which included things like scouting and mm-hmm. reinforced in sporting activities and music and the arts. These kinds of things are fundamental to the transaction of all business. And, it, in fact, they're so fundamental. They're fundamental to the formation and the sustaining of relationships at any level. And so the interesting thing that we do is we say, well, we're going to teach this, and it's going to be we're going to teach it once and for all, forever and ever, <laughs> amen, right? When right. in reality, it's more like what should be happening in professional athletics. In This is like baseball season, spring spring season, all the professional uh, baseball players go through the same, regardless of what income they make, they go through the same ritual. They go back to camp and they learn how to throw, they learn how to hit, they learn how to field. They learn the same things they've been doing since they were six years old. Because without the fundamental skills, then the trick plays, none of the other things work. And so Mm -hmm. in the workplace, we don't reinforce these like we should, but I think the time is coming where that is going to be the expectation and the norm because we mm-hmm. can't afford to have the the kind of labor force turnover that we're that we're currently experiencing. Right, the, and the statistics you just uh, cited were staggering. The cost of the turnover, my goodness. Right. Right, and 89% of managers believe that employees leave for more money, while 88% say that they're really leaving because of the culture and because of the management. Absolutely. um, Yeah, so that that statistic comes from the seven hidden reasons why employees leave. So Mm -hmm. we're finding, as we do some of these exit interviews and the like, that uh, many people leave because they have management that has been promoted for technical skill but has is lacking in interpersonal skill. And so they can't right. open doors, they can't influence, they can't uh, encourage and, and um, motivate like they need to. 
Mm-hmm. Now, the flip side of a lot of this, the flip side of having so many generations in the workplace, the flip side of having such a uh, ethnically diverse workplace and with uh, you know gender being more evenly distributed uh, is that you get a diversity of ideas as well. And so if you can make it work to where people are communicating, where people are respectful, where uh, people have figured all of the, the workplaces that have figured all of this out, there, there can be so much, so many new ideas and uh, so, so much um, added to the workplace that, uh, you know, they have a, a competitive edge then. Companies like PepsiCo and others have uh, even uh, locally, J.E. Dunn Construction Company, have mm-hmm. have figured out that this whole equation around diversity, including uh, more minorities, more women in the workplace, not just people of different ages, but mm-hmm. the different ethnic backgrounds and so forth, are adding a richness and an ability to compete on another level that they had not experienced that is actually causing them to generate increased revenues, gain greater credibility in the community, and and gain greater respect in their communities. So it has a, a multiplying effect when it's implemented and it becomes a part of the culture, and the leadership at the top is absolutely committed to it then we begin to see progress and new products that come out of um, and access to new markets that come out of the relationships that these diverse people are now able to contribute. So if you will, uh, think about being um, uh, in the, on the bench and you want mm-hmm. in the game so badly and <laughs> you've spent a lot of time watching the game because you've been a bench warmer. So suddenly you get your number gets called and you get to get in the game. You have been studying that game so much, you see things that people who've been in it for a long time cease to see. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we that's what we discover when we um with so much immigration and the success that so many immigrants have when they come here is they see opportunity, opportunity, opportunity because of, of for many, they've been waiting to get here, and they've been right. studying, and, and so when they get here, they're ready. And for for uh, many of us who've lived here for so long, we've gotten accustomed to what we see, and we don't sure. necessarily see new opportunities. So it's a it's all good, you know. It, the upside of this is tremendous. The um, flip side of it is it has to be managed. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about. Uh, Bellwether, and about the Human Asset Imaging Institute. Okay. Bellwether um, is the parent company, and Bellwether is involved in creating tools and instruments that enable organizations to be more productive and more effective. So we look at the processes, the structure, the way things are organized so that we can streamline and gain greater efficiency. And the institute um, brings products to market to the marketplace. We do a lot of research and development on the people side, so that when the external or the manual processes are in place, or or even electronic, they have to be handed off. And so the handoff is more smooth when people uh, appreciate each other and respect each other. So 
the institute is very much involved in how do we make people more um, uh, potent in what they mm -hmm. do. Now, the people who are listening today, we actually do have an audience outside of the Kansas City area. Do you work with any clients that are outside of the Kansas City area? If there were a listener today uh, outside of Kansas or Missouri that would be interested in working with UK, are you able to do that? We absolutely are. We even have uh, customers in other countries. So wow. uh, we, we, we do, and we have a, a fair number of clients in different parts of the country. And uh, mm -hmm. that number is actually growing. Okay. So we do have that if, capacity. All right. And if if somebody that's listening today um, were to order your book uh, or were to, um, per, you know, purchase the book and, and wanting to start this in their own company, I get the sense that this isn't just a quick read. I've grasped these principles. Now we'll have a staff meeting and mm -hmm. I'll talk about how important this is and charge everybody with following these principles, and right. I've I, I checked off the list, I'm, I'm done. What is the best way to actually use this book within a company it, and, and to use your companies with, you know, what services of your companies? Tell, tell me what that process is like, and, you know, what, what kind of a time period before you see results, that type of thing. Sure, sure. Well, you, you can begin seeing results almost immediately. Um, because we're reminding people of things that they already know and that they innately know, but they're not constantly reminded of. So mm -hmm. um, when it becomes a part of the daily conversation uh, in terms of this is the kind of company we are, these are the kinds of people we are, um, when you remind people in part of their humanity, then they return to it. And that's that's been very rewarding. Um, one of the things that many clients do is they just simply call us and say, here's our initiative, here's our challenge, here's what we're trying to do, here's what we're excited about, um, and this is kind of what it looks like. Have you got any thoughts or suggestions on how this can be done? So uh -huh. that's one of the, the ways in which people engage us, and some want um, some assessment work done in advance, which we're happy to do, and some will say, can we have the materials and will you kind of show us how to use it and we can run with it ourselves and we welcome mm -hmm. that as well. So however a client wants to engage with us is the extent of what we, we do. We never uh, overstay our welcome or we try not to. So uh, we want to give enough to be beneficial and helpful and then uh, we want to be able to move on and, you know, let our clients do the same. So... Mm -hmm. um, how do they engage with us? They're welcome to give us a call. And may I share that number? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead and get the number. Okay. 816-554-9400. Uh, and they're also welcome to uh, go to the Institute website because the products I've been talking about today are on the Institute, which is www.hai-institute.com. And um, you, you'll also be able to read more about Bellwether and get to the Bellwether link from there. Okay. And, and just in closing, what is the biggest impediment for, I mean, this all sounds, it makes so much good sense. And I wouldn't say it sounds easy because you're working with people and so it's not necessarily easy, but it, it, it makes a lot of sense, everything that you have said today. What is it that keeps companies from being successful in this area? 
uh, whether it's from embracing it to, okay, they, they embrace the concept that something still falls short. What, what is it that keeps people from being, or companies from being successful in this area? Consistency. It's a lack mm-hmm. of consistency that um, we get distracted and our attention gets diverted. And in larger organizations, um, it will be the initiative du jour instead mm-hmm. of the, you know, the initiative of the day as opposed right. to being um, the standard for conduct. But those, uh. who, those who make it a standard of conduct and the way in which they interact internally as well as externally garner great benefits in terms of the value of the relationship that they have with their uh, employees and with mm-hmm. their customers and community. Okay. So give us, as we close here, give us your number again. Uh, tell us about the website once again so that anybody who is maybe distracted grabbing a pencil or whatever and just <laughs> like get it all down, that they can take it down now. So what what is it? Absolutely. It's um, 816-554-9400 is the phone number. And the website is wwwhai institute.com. Okay, and and you can order the book directly through your website, correct? That is correct. Okay, Kay, thank you so much for being here today. We we really appreciate all the insights that you've shared. And for all those who are listening who would like to continue this discussion, make sure you give Kay a call, uh, go to the website, uh, download the book. Or, it, But that, that's a question. Um, is it a physical book? Is it downloadable? Can you do both? Or how, is it an electronic it, it one is, too? It, it is a physical book. So, okay. um, and, and it is interpersonal training. So we we prefer if you use it with people. Sure. Okay. So so go out to the website and, and take a look at everything that they do there at Bellwether and at the Human Asset Imaging Institute and uh, order the book, Interpersonal Secrets for Professional Success by Kay Saunders. Thanks so much for being here today, Kay. Thank you, Kelly. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.